Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. This is Dr. Joe Armstrong. Thank you for joining us. This is a special episode. We wanted to revisit our topic of mental health. We already did an episode on mental health in episode five, so I encourage you to go back and listen to that. That has some more of the basics and the questions that Brad and I had for Emily. Today, we're diving in a little deeper. We want to keep this conversation going, keep this relevant uh, with the goal of making it so that people feel more and more comfortable talking about this subject. Emily was willing to share some personal stories and, and a lot of her experience with mental health and mental illness. And big thank you for her for willing to be so open about it. There was nothing here that I was willing to cut. So it got a little long on us today, but there's tons of great information. The big message is that we want everyone to be there for each other. Reach out, find the courage to have this conversation. And if you need anything at all, reach out to us. The Moose Room at umn.edu. Please enjoy the episode. Thank you again for listening. All right. Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. We are here, just the OG3 again, and we have somewhat of a bonus episode where we're talking about mental health. We did this earlier in, in episode five, but we got to come back to it. Way too important. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I think this is the perfect time to uh, give everyone the news that Emily Kreckelberg has changed jobs at Extension. She's Woo-hoo! moved from a local educator to a regional educator and will be dealing with farm safety, which includes mental health. So, Emily, tell us about May's mental health and what you've been up to lately. Yeah. So, thanks, Joe. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And um, hopefully, you've all been aware of that. Or if you've been on social media and seen people with green ribbons on their profile pictures or something, uh, that's why. So, the green ribbon is the, the ribbon for mental health awareness. And this is just a month um, that it was really started by NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, as a way to spread awareness about mental health, share tips on mental health, share education about mental illness as well. Uh, it's a month that is really important to me. You know, I have been on my own journey with, with mental health and, and with mental illness as well. And so it's a great opportunity for people to share stories and be able to educate and advocate and all of those things. And especially it feels timely right now, given everything we are going through with a global pandemic and the craziness of spring on the farm and everything else. And so what I've kind of been up to, too, like you said, Joe, uh, I took a new job with Extension. So I am an educator for farm safety and health. Yay! And this is basically my dream job. Uh, I've always been passionate about the topics of farm safety and health. And of course, right now, we do have a big emphasis on the mental health side of things. But two, I think it's important for people to remember that, you know, health and safety are very closely correlated. And we do see an increase in farm accidents um, in times of high stress or when people have poor mental health as they're not thinking clearly or whatever else it may be. And so it is really relevant always to be talking about these topics together. I think before we get too far into things, and we'll cover it now, and then we'll come back to it at the end just to make sure everybody gets a chance to hear it. The first thing is, where can people go if they want to learn more? Or where can they go if they're looking for ways to get help? Um, And I just want to remind anybody listening that if it's help that you need, 
you're not alone. Uh, please, please know that there are so many people that support you and care about you. And it's not wrong that you want help. Um, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to ask for help. And I would say uh, the best places to go for that online, you can go to our uh, Rural Stress webpage on the Extension website. You can get there through z.umn.edu slash rural stress. The Minnesota De Department of Agriculture also has a webpage full of resources, and that's mnfarmstress.com. So on there, you will find a lot of different information, information about support for mental health and stress management, including our rural mental health specialists in the state of Minnesota. They are available to farmers and farm families, free of cost, no paperwork. Also information about the Minnesota Farm and Rural Helpline, and that is a helpline that's free, confidential, available 24-7. There's information if you need financial help. Extension offers free farm financial counseling. There is information on there if you need legal help, uh, Farmers Legal Action Group, some other groups on there too. So there's a ton of resources there. I would also add that if you are concerned about somebody uh, more immediately, that they may be suicidal or maybe intending to harm themselves or others. Your options are, I, if it's an immediate threat, I would say call 911. Also, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's 1-800-273-TALK or 8255. You can also text the number 741741 and you can send them just MN. That's a national text line. But if you send them Minnesota, they'll be able to connect you to resources within the state right away. Now, like you said, we're, we're in the middle of this global pandemic. We're, we're faced with all this uncertainty. What is, what is this doing specifically to farmers right now? What, are, what new stressors are we seeing? I'm glad you said new stressors because we need to remember that there are those stressors that have already existed oh, that farmers have yeah. been dealing with. I mean, I've, and, farmers are, farmers are yeah. stressed out people to begin with. There's a lot right. of uncertainty in just normal everyday life. So, Right. And, and farmers deal with uncertainty every day. Um, so in a sense, they are somewhat already resilient to some of these problems. But on the other hand, there are new problems being introduced that they that none of us have been prepared for. So I don't think we need to belabor the day-to-day -day stresses of farming, you know, economies, livestock illness, crop yields, etc. We know all of those exist. But what we're seeing now is like you said, Joe, this really high level of uncertainty and a very big lack of answers. And those things are very hard for people to cope with, not just farmers, anybody in general. You know, I think that we have seen an increase in stress and anxiety across the board from everybody because we're all experiencing some level of uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen, all of those things wrapped up into it. Oh, so one of my questions around that is, okay, so we've got all this uncertainty, no answers out there. And I think if you boil it down and it's just a lack of a plan, like farmers love to plan and they got to be looking a year ahead at, at, you know, the earliest and they're looking off in five, 10 years down the road. How do you, how do you deal with that? And is there a way to make a plan and feel like you have some control when it's almost impossible to make a plan? 
You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. And you said a key word there, control. And that is, I think, the biggest problem with ambiguity is we feel like we don't have control. And that's really hard. And I do think that there are steps that people can take to feel like they have a little more control. And I think making a plan is a great way to do that. But I would caution people to think about not just one singular plan. Here's this box. We have to fit into it. If we don't, the whole thing's out the window. Make a plan that allows for flexibility. So it's maybe a plan with multiple parts. And it's almost like a choose your own adventure book, right? If X, Y, or Z happens, we're doing this. And if A, B, or C happens, we're going to do that. And so that way you can put yourself at ease somewhat knowing that, you know, okay, we, we do have some ideas of what we can do and we are prepared for more than one outcome because I think where people get stuck is yes, they make a plan, but it is so specific that if it doesn't go exactly according to that plan, you're worse off than when you started. That makes a lot of sense. I like I like that analogy, the, the make your own adventure, choose your own adventure book. That's a good way to think about it. Yes. Well, I'm very smart. So. Well, yeah, we've established that. It's just a given, <laughs> right? All right, Bradley, you're a little quiet over there. I know. What is going on? Well, you know, I don't know much about mental health and, and stress. Well, of course, we all know about stress, but, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot. So that's uh, and, and it's hard to, you know, try and c- come up with good questions to to do and that maybe that sort of leads into you know maybe we're not very open about talking with that so how do you deal with uh you know or or how do you talk with other people and and have conversations with people about mental health in agriculture that's probably a a good thing yeah i'm not comfortable talking about it uh i i can tell No, that's a really great question though, Brad. I do appreciate that. And and I can say that, yes, talking about mental health is hard. And I'm somebody who does it, you know, somewhat professionally, I guess. Those are tough conversations. And even, and I share often about my personal journey. If you follow me on social media, you know this. And even just a little bit, you know, from our last podcast, and I'm sure today I'll talk more about it. But it's still, there's that little edge, right? That little bit of discomfort, even for me still. And for some people, it's all discomfort for the whole thing. And that is simply because we haven't learned how to really talk about it. And also because it is so intangible. For example, tell a little bit more about my other personal journey. I'm training for a marathon. I currently have a stress fracture in my foot. Not happy about it. But, so I have this stress fracture. So my foot is taped every day. I'm currently sitting with it up and elevated. There's ice on it, right? So when we have physical injuries and, you know, the the people I live with, they can see that I'm injured. People can see my foot is taped. They ask how I'm doing, need anything, all of that. And so it's easy for me to talk about because it has some sort of tangible, visible piece to it. And when we're thinking about issues with our mental health or having a mental illness, we can't see that. And we don't know how to talk about just what we're feeling. 
right? Because you think of even when you have a kid and, and Brad, you know, you've got a slew of kids and, <laughs> and Joe, you're about to have little Emilio. It's close. And, it's close. Right. And when your kid is crying or they tell you something hurts and you go, well, where does it hurt? Right. And they can point to where they're in pain. But when we mentally aren't doing well, you know, where do I point like my, to my head, mm-hmm. to my brain, to my heart, you know? And so that is what can make it so uncomfortable. I don't think people like when I say this, but sometimes it's kind of like, you just got to, you know, get some grit and, and talk about it. And I will tell you that the more you talk about it, the easier it can get. And it's kind of just this one time leap of faith. And that can really help just open up this whole new world of being able to talk about it. And, you know, I tell people this all the time too, you know, again, you're not alone. And so many people, so many people I talk to, just farmers, been like, I thought I was the only one dealing with this. And then they hear about the work I'm doing and I share some stories about some of the other farmers I've worked with. And, you know, they say, and, and part of the message during May for Mental Health Awareness Month is that each year, one in five people will have a mental health crisis. One in five. That, you know, that's a lot of people, 20%. Right. I'm not good at math. 20%. Yeah. 20%. (laughs) This is why I work, you know, in this, this, I think think it's important to, to, to point out too, that, you know, the courage is, is both ways, right. It's from the person that's all struggling with the mental health issue and, and whether or not they can, they can talk about it. Right. But it's from the other people that can potentially see that something isn't quite right. It's them also reaching out. So there's two ways there to come at it. And I think, uh, it's just as important to work up the courage to ask about somebody and how they're doing and if everything's okay, uh, just as much as it is the other way to have someone, if you are feeling that way, to reach out to someone for help. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that a lot of times that you get over that, that, that gut feeling and that problem by having someone reach out that isn't struggling with the mental health crisis themselves. Mm-hmm you know, you're right, is you kind of have to get over that hump and, and yes, be courageous to have that conversation. And for a lot of people, if they are in crisis or just under a high level of stress, you know, they will isolate, they will put themselves out on their own, again, because they feel alone and like nobody understands. And so by approaching that person and saying, hey, you know, I care about you. And I, I see that something's wrong. And how can I help you? That acknowledgement can offer so much relief. I know as somebody who I struggled for a long time, I had undiagnosed anxiety and depression, swept it under the rug, acted like it was fine. And then it finally just took people reaching out and acknowledging the fact that they saw it wasn't fine, even when I said I was. And so we can't hide behind that forever of just somebody going, I'm fine. And us going, okay, they must be. Be courageous, have that conversation. And yes, it, it takes courage on both sides to say, yep, I'm not well. And to say, I care about you and I don't think you are well. It uh, just reminds me of a quote from a book, actually. The book is A Game of Thrones. You've maybe heard of it. <laughs> and the son asks the father, um, can a man be brave if he's afraid? And the dad goes, that's the only time a man can be brave. So like, it's okay if you're uncomfortable and if it's scary, because it is, 
it's yeah. scary to put yourself out there. And just because there is so much stigma around mental health, people, you know, we're afraid that people are going to label us crazy or unstable or, you know, make up all these things or gossip about us. And I get that. I think you need to be able to put that aside and think like, I am not well. And me ignoring this because of other people, you know, that's really selfish. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you owe it to yourself. You deserve to feel good. Absolutely. And, and it spills over. Uh, it definitely does. You can't help but have it spill over every once in a while. And I think that gets into, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we, we want to cover today, but, but one of these things that we talk about as far as stigma and, and things that people don't want to address is, is medication. Uh, and, and when we look at medications and, and prescriptions that can help you, I think people are very hesitant and they're concerned about being put on medications and they feel like that's a big step. So can you, can you give us a little bit about or, or how they should be dealing with that question of whether or not to go on medication or how they should feel about it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I know this from firsthand experience, so I will preface this by saying I, I am on medication currently. I take two different things. Um, but I think really where this all starts is what we tell people a lot is if they think they want to see somebody for their mental health, like a therapist, you know, or if they aren't feeling well, they should really bring it up with their doctor first. And then what I often hear from people, and I know this because I've experienced it as well, is they say, well, yeah, then my doctor just wants to put me on something. right now. And, and I know that for some people that mm-hmm. may seem like it's kind of a cop-out or it's just because, you know, the doctor is not a mental health professional. Um, but typically your doctor should be able to refer you to somebody. And I will say in my case, in my journey, I was very reluctant to go on medication for, you know, a lot of my own personal reasons, but the biggest thing I was just scared and mostly scared of stigma. And I was really scared that that medication would make me somebody that I was. And I think that that's something that's get, that gets shared along with this stigma is, you know, like people call them happy pills or chill pills, or, you know, say all these things about them and that we think it makes us like a shell of our former self. I just remind people like you have to be your own greatest advocate And I was very clear with my care team from the beginning that I wanted to try other options before medication. I never said no medication ever, absolutely no way, but I said I wanted to try some other things. And so I did. Um, I went on a pretty intense therapy schedule. I'm still on an intense therapy schedule. I go once a week. Also, you know, up to my self-care, was doing meditation, all of these things. And it just wasn't enough. And so I, you know, was talking to my physician again, just told her, I'm like, you know, I just, I'm really concerned about going on medication because I'm just really afraid that I'm not going to be myself. And she looked at me and she goes, do you feel like yourself right now? And that was kind of it for me. I was like, yeah, you got me there. I don't. And uh, maybe this will help me feel like myself. And so that was a really eye-opening experience. And I have found to kind of, you know, you have to reframe your thinking around it. And why do I use therapy? Why do I meditate? Why do I work out? Why do I do these things, right? They're all tools for my wellness. And medication is another tool for that. 
I know that it can be scary. And, and I think of, you know, two, I talked to my physician about it and she was very clear, like, you know, you may reach a point where you're able to get off of it. And so like, I set that as my goal. Like, I'm not going to be on this line. I am still on it. My dosage has tripled since I started taking it. And, you know, every time my dosage gets upped, I just kind of see me getting off of it, moving farther and farther away. And I've reached a point where I'm like, you know what, that's okay. Cause again, it's a tool and, and don't get me wrong. I still have hard days. I still will have a panic attack. I will still have days where I just fully descend back down to where I was, but that's just for a short period of time, right? right? The medication helps, you know, helps correct a chemical imbalance in my brain. That's all they're doing. Yeah. And and it's just so great um, to have that tool. And if I do need to use it for the rest of my life, then I do. And I tell people too that it's, yeah, some people can go off of it eventually. I know some people that are on it for six months. Some people will be on it for 18 months. Um, you know, it's not, it's not any sort of a life sentence. It doesn't need to be. And right. two, you have to be really honest with yourself and your physician about what's working, what's not. Um, sometimes you need to try multiple kinds of, of medications to figure out what the best fit is going to be. It is a long and winding journey and they know that it's hard and complicated, but it is so worth it to feel better. And I don't feel like a zombie and I don't feel like a shell of my former self. I am me and I'm a better version of me now. And the medication helped me reach that point. Hey, I, I heard you say something about a like a personal care team who who's a, who, who's involved in like a, a care team. It's, it's probably not just a medical doctor. There's many other people yeah. who, who could all that be. Yeah. So, um, my care team, when I say that I referred to, yeah. So my, my doctor, my primary physician, um, and then my clinic has on staff therapists, um, at all times so that if there is, a more emergency situation or in doing mental health screening, the physician wants you to see somebody right away. You can. And so I got connected with one of those people. And so she is, you know, and she's in the clinic system, which is nice because she has access to my chart. She can see what I'm on, all of those things. And then um, at that time, I also had another outside therapist. Um, and then two, I would say my care team also included kind of some of my inner circle you know, a really close friend, uh, my sister, just those people that I know I can really lean on to, to give me good, honest advice. And so I really encourage people, like I said, you have to be your own best advocate. And the way to advocate for yourself too is, is yeah, find that team, find who can be your care team and help you with this. Cause it's just like, it's not going to be one single treatment. It's probably not going to be one single person. You know, you need your doctor involved. You are going to be medicated. Uh, I am a huge proponent for, for therapy. And so you need that person involved. I mean, it's, I know I'm probably making it sound really complicated and overwhelming. And I want people to know that this didn't just all fall together overnight. You know, these are pieces that I have built over the course of a year at this point now is when I first started on this journey. So it does take time, but you know, each step has led me to feeling better and better. I had a train of thought and now it's gone. Oh, I got it back. Here it is. I think one of the things that I struggle with the most, and I think a lot of people probably have the same struggle is 
we all have periods where we get super stressed out and we, we're worried about our own mental well-being and our mental health. But stress is, it's there for a reason, right? We, we, we need some of it. It's there for a reason and we've evolved to have it be there for a reason. But how do you know when you've hit that point where it's just too much? Like it's, it, it, you've, where's the tipping point or how can you tell? That, that you've gone past that point into really it's too much stress? That is a really great question. And I do agree with you that some amount of stress is, is good for us either. Yeah. Because, you know, stress is related to like everything, right? Chemical reactions in our brains, hormones being released. And so when we're stressed, our brain releases cortisol. And some level of cortisol can be you know, motivating and be a good thing. And like I said, motivation can help us actually get back into focus and, and can keep us going because it's a very powerful hormone. So it kind of takes over. It's when our brain is dumping excessive amounts of cortisol that it starts to be bad um, because our cortisol can also impact our overall health. You know, it can lead to heart disease, physical health issues, and of course, mental health issues. And as far as the, like, how much stress is too much stress, there is no hard answer on that because we all cope with stress differently and have different thresholds for stress. Similar to, you know, we have different thresholds for pain, right? So we all, we all deal with pain differently. And the same is with stress. Some people are naturally more resilient than others. And also I think what's happening with COVID-19 has really shined a light on this. Some people have built up more resilience over time. Resilience really boils down to being able to adapt in times of adversity. But the way you build resilience is by going through adversity. And so those that have already been through a lot of that and have had to deal with a lot of other things, they may be somewhat better at managing a higher level of stress just because they've managed it before and maybe struggled with it. And now kind of on knowing what I know now, I can be better moving forward. You know, how much is too much or when do you know you need help? That is up to you. People know themselves better than anybody else knows them. And I really think there's something to be said for gut feelings and for intuition and I know that I, I lied to myself for a long time. And then I just reached that point where I knew. And it was kind of like I had known for a long time but been resistant to it. And then it was like, nope, this isn't right. This is not doing me any good. Like there is something wrong and I need help if I ever want to feel better again. Some people, they will have actual reactions. Like people will say like, oh yeah, one day I just burst out crying for no reason or you know, screamed at my sister for no reason, whatever it may be. And so there may be some of those outbursts and you think of it just like a pot of boiling water, right? It reaches a point and it will boil over. Yeah. And my goal is to, to reach people before they reach that point. That, that, yeah. I mean, you definitely want to be preventative if you can. I just, it's good to know that it's a learned stress management is a learned activity, right? It's nice to know that, you know, yes, some people are better at dealing with it uh, inherently. Uh, and they have more resilience to it inherently, but, but it's also a learned management technique or it's something a learned ex that you get through experience. So it, 
it's nice to know that, you know what I mean? What I'm trying to say, it's nice to yeah. know that you can learn it, which implies that you can become better at it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's certainly not a, like either you're good or you're bad and you can never change or cross right. over that line. Um, yeah, it is learned and it, yeah. And some people are naturally more resilient, just like some people are naturally better at math. I am not one of those people, but <laughs> as we've already Me proved. Me neither. <laughs> um, but yeah, it certainly is something. And even if you do have a mental health crisis or like me, like I have a mental illness, right? And what I have learned, and this is what somebody else told me, is it's not that you ever get rid of it or learn how to beat it or cure it. You learn how to manage your thoughts around it better. And you just, and you learn how to manage it. And some people can manage it so well that they no longer need therapy or medication or anything else. And so it's, yeah, just the same with adversity and anything else. It's learned behavior. It takes time. It takes being very, very honest with yourself, which can, can be harder than I think we all realize. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I experienced that same thing with my weight. I lie to myself. <laughs> about don't wait don't we all when i'm standing in the mirror i'm like ah, i don't look that bad but you get on the scale then you look at what your driver's license says uh, and yeah like, and you're like mm, maybe maybe i'm not being quite honest with myself <laughs> i i think one of the things that we talked to i mean we're talking about learning the experience and learning this and you've said you've said self-care several times now before we got started here emily asked us to think of a couple things that we use in terms of self-care to relieve stress. So for me, I'll go first so Brad can think if he hasn't thought of one yet uh, that's appropriate. I and do have, I do have some, yes. Good, good. Yeah. We, I, I, for me, I think the thing that helps the most is having a hobby that is unrelated to work. If I, my hobby was to also have farm animals at home, I would have a hard time. I think because if I'm and I thought about this when I was practicing too, if I, if I was practicing dealing with sick animals all day and worrying about all that, and then I came home and my hobby was to do that same thing. It just wouldn't work for me. It wouldn't feel like I actually got away from work at all. Uh, So for me, it's about having a hobby. I love to hunt and fish. Those are the two that I go to right away. Uh, I do some, very, very minor woodworking stuff. And it's just about escaping and not having to do anything that's even remotely related to work. For me, that's what it is. And and one day I'll start exercising again. I guess that would be the next one. Yeah. Joe and I have gone to the gym before. He uh, he knows what he's doing. I, uh, yeah, but it's it doesn't happen frequently enough to matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad, what about you? Yeah, Brad. Well, I actually like to go on some walks. You know, there's, uh, if you don't know, I live out in, in the boondocks in western Minnesota. In, uh, not very many people around, so it's kind of nice. I live out on the country roads. There's some lakes by. It's kind of nice to go for a little walk, be out in nature. I don't do that as much during the winter time because it's a little cold, but uh, that's always fun. And, uh, uh, you know, being out in nature, I was that way uh, as a kid, was always in the woods uh, and love it. Also, I, I like to golf. 
you know. I did not that, know that. that, that that's, that. Uh, yeah. You really? Know, some people think that that might cause a lot of stress uh, hitting this <laughs> little ball around and stuff. But, yeah, it's. Um, I do like to golf. You know, I, play, I played in the uh, MGA state tournaments and stuff when I was younger. I even have a hole-in-one at the New Ulm Country Club. Wow. Whoa. New, New Ulm, Minnesota. Big time. So, um what a hot shot. I, I didn't know that you liked to golf that much, Brad. I do. Well, I guess we'll have to go if you want to go. Uh, I am absolutely Ooh, the moose terrible. room goes golfing. We can we I can try it. it. Once I get that video equipment, we'll record it so you can see how terrible I am. <laughs> It'll be pretty hilarious for everybody. <laughs> Which yeah. Wait. So golf, but that's that's being outside too. I like being outside. I am not a big fan of being cooped up uh, indoors that uh, probably brings on more stress than anything well, i think everyone's kind of learning that right now right i think we're i i and maybe i'm biased just because it's spring and minnesota's always this way but i feel like there's more people in the parks than ever before just trying to be outside feel like they're not encased yeah. and 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 enjoy nature and i i feel like we're, we're seeing a greater appreciation for it and i that's always been one of my big things. Hunting and fishing is really just an excuse to be outside in nature, regardless if you catch anything or if you or if you shoot anything. It's it's all about just being outside for the most part, and those are just ways to get there. Love How about that. you, Em? You should we should tell. I know we we talked about it a lot in in episode five, but exercising is one of yeah. them. We know that. Uh, but I, I do, I've gotten very into weightlifting, so I like to, to lift heavy things. Um, yeah, getting swole. (laughs) um, (laughs) You lift these big big sandbags around every day too. Yeah. So since the gyms are closed, I did buy a sandbag. And so I'm, uh, outside in the driveway and I currently live with relatives in a suburb and the neighbors are, are very curious what i'm up to <laughs> throwing around my big sandbag in the morning I could see i'm that. a person That's who that. like grunts and yells as i do it so i just cause ruckus <laughs> is that like if because you get up early it's not like yeah. having a five um, o'clock in the morning like, is at it? like six so you're out there throwing a sandbag around and yelling at six o'clock in the morning <laughs> yes your, na- your neighbors must love you <laughs> well we have neighbors with a lot of barking dogs so i feel like Okay. Uh, the dogs catch the brunt of the hate and then I'm afterwards. Gotcha. Um, Fair trade. Fair <laughs> but besides working out, I also really like to cook. Uh, and I really like to read and I like to write as well. One of my questions that I've thought about for a while and you hear about it when I've taken classes and, and any training on mental health is that word choice can be huge i guess I'm, my, my big question is how how much does that does that matter you know like it, wording and are there certain trigger words that should be avoided at all costs uh, it just seems like sometimes there's so many words to avoid that it's mm-hmm. hard to say anything so walk me through that a little bit yeah that's that's a really great question, Joe. And I'm trying to figure out how to answer this succinctly because I feel like we could do a whole podcast just on this. Some triggers. I I would say, you know, word choice does matter. 
I think what matters a little bit more is the way you present your words. Even the inflection in your voice is what can really make um, a, a big difference. I do think that there are certain things to be avoided, and that would be if you are concerned that somebody is coping in an unhealthy way, may potentially be thinking about hurting themselves or attempting to take their own life. Asking a question like, you're not going to do anything dumb, are you? I would say avoid that because you just called the person dumb and they're already in a bad spot and you are just exacerbating that situation. So I think things like that, or, or, um, I know this, this happened to me and I know this person meant well, but I said something about, um, I, I was with a friend and I couldn't have a drink at the bar because of my medication. There are certain interactions with that. And at that time I wasn't allowed to have alcohol. So I said, oh, I can't, you know, because I'm taking this medication, didn't think anything of it. And their response, and I imagine it came from a place of discomfort, they just go, oh, what, are you going insane on me? Or like, are you going psycho on me? They said something like that. So I would say avoid words like insane, psycho, crazy, unstable, all of those things that are really negative connotations around mental health and mental illness. I think too... Yeah, you just need to be really mindful more of how you say it. Like I said, any anything that ends, if you're asking them a question and you end it with, are you, that is very accusatory and you're basically begging the person to say no. Yeah, so, yeah you've already know. led them into that. Yeah, like you're not the, depressed, are you? Yeah, you're, you're making them defensive right from the get-go. Yeah, yeah and so I like really that. encourage people to think about how they can be non-accusatory And when I encourage them to talk to somebody, and I know we talked about this on episode five, is kind of start with what I call a statement of concern. So just saying something like, I'm really worried about you. I'm somebody who loves you and cares about you. I'm somebody who wants to listen. And then you ask a question. And it really needs to be a question that allows them to take the driver's seat. So my favorite one to ask people is, what do you want me to know about how you've been feeling? Yeah. Because you really allow them to say as much or as little as they want, if you say it that way. That's a good way to go. I like if, keeping it open-ended seems like so, the right way to be and keeping it from being accusatory. I, yeah. I, I just, I feel like it takes a lot of courage to reach out and ask somebody yeah. uh, those kind of things. And, and when you're throw on that, this, the added hesitation because of, the things that you're not supposed to say uh, I think it adds to that so I think it's good to have something that's a go-to that you can say uh, and starting it with letting that person know where you stand right now in terms of your relationship and how much you care for them is a great way to start mm-hmm. I've always wondered about that because there's a lot of things you know mm-hmm. uh, and we t- I took that course that you were involved in M and and it there's a lot of things you weren't supposed to say so it, it just, yeah. so I've always wondered that. Do you think that prevents people from actually asking others because they don't know what to say? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I that because like Joe said, we get this big list of here's all the things not to say. Yeah. And I don't think we get enough lists of here's what to say. Yeah, I totally agree. There's all and, these things to avoid and you don't get told yeah. here's what you can say. Yeah. And I would say just really focus in 
on the person and on the fact that you want to help them, you know, don't focus again, like don't uh, uh, avoid being accusatory, I think yeah. is, is a really big, big thing with this. Um, and, and, you know, just let it be, yeah, that acknowledgement that like, Hey, I noticed that you're not doing well, but I really want you to be better. So yeah. What do you want me to know about how you've been feeling? Who are you comfortable talking to? How can I help you find help? That's a really good question to ask too. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm one of those people that, that, you know, in an uncomfortable situation or a situation that makes me upset or anything, I'm, I'm always a person that, that tries to turn to a joke and, uh, and that's probably not a good idea in this situation. You want to make sure that this person knows that you're, you're being serious and you're taking the situation seriously and you truly are concerned it's not a time to try to find a silver lining or to make a joke or attempt to create humor. It's really a time to just be to the point serious and concerned and, and make everything in your demeanor say that. Yes. And you just hit on a point, Joe, that I want to revisit. And that is don't try to silver line it. And I think that when we do that, and I'm somebody who used to do it all the time, I know that we have all the best intentions when we're doing that, right? Trying to show people like, yeah, you know, like, but also hold on to this glimmer of hope. But what can happen when you do that, that's a really sympathetic response versus an empathetic response. And when we silver line things, what we're basically telling people is like, yeah, you're going through this thing and it's bad, but it could be worse. Like you should be grateful. It's not this bad. And you're really, you know, you're not validating that what they're going through is really hard for them. Yeah. And while I know it comes from a good place and I really, you know, and I know that now in doing this work so that when it does happen to me personally, I don't get too upset about it. But for some people, if they're kind of teetering on the edge, you know, that can be something that can just be like, Oh, wow. Yeah. So I guess the way I feel doesn't matter. To be honest, I think it, it, it's a Minnesota thing. Uh, the silver lining thing. I think yeah. between the weather in the winter and just how everyone is so concerned about everyone else and trying to find ways to help in any way possible. Mm -hmm. It's just a thing that I tend to see in Minnesota a lot. This, this, the silver lining is, is it's almost a Minnesota thing. That's right. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, just keep, be careful of that one. That one is very tempting. It's very, very tempting, yeah. but it can and be, it's definitely the wrong way to go. Yeah. And so one final thought I would add to that is if you don't know what to say, what you can say is, wow, I don't even know what to say, but yeah. I'm so glad you told me. Exactly. Just throwing that, I'm so glad you told me that validates to them that like, yes, being open was a good thing. So keep doing that. Yeah. Um, that's a good thought. You know? And so, yeah. And you can tell them you don't know what to say. And a lot of the time, you know, they're not looking for a response. They're not looking for you to fix things or give them advice. They're looking to get it off their chest. So I don't know what to say, but I'm so happy you told me. Yeah, I say that to people a lot. And, and I can tell that it's like, that's just the thing they need to hear. Like validation that them sharing their feelings is open and is good. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It, that's perfect. All right, let's... Uh... 
I think we should wrap it up. We got plenty of tape there. Well, before we go, we're going to try to wrap up with a thought from everybody. We'll let Emily go last since she's the the expert. Yes, the expert. Don't forget it. Yeah. So we'll let Emily go last. Brad, you wanna you wanna give us a final parting thought to share with everybody during this uh, global pandemic where we're all stuck inside. Go outside. Go outside. Enjoy the fresh air. Uh, let your mind just wander and uh, enjoy uh, the from freedom out outside and let your mind go and and get away from all of the the media and the news and everything and just enjoy that that's that's what that's my parting thought that i would i would do that's a good thought that's great advice because that, that that will help a lot of people if they can just get away from everything even just for a little bit yeah all right, I'll go next and then an M is up. To me, I think what we found during this whole time is social distancing has made it a very unique time to try to be there for somebody else. I've been very happily surprised at how much you can be there for someone without actually being there in person. So my parting thought is to reach out in any way. And just because you can't see a person face-to-face doesn't mean you can't be there for somebody. I've even written letters to people, snail mail style. Uh, There's so many ways to connect and reach out. Uh, We're podcasting on Zoom right now because we can't meet in person. There's so many ways to reach out between the phone, the mail, uh, just checking in in very small ways. So don't, don't let not being there in person prevent you from being there for somebody. That's great, Joe. And you can cut this out if you don't want it on the podcast. But uh, an example of that is Joe knows when I'm having a bad day, you know, all three of us were actually friends. And what Joe will do, he'll text me a picture of his dog, Murphy. And my favorite one was Murph wrapped up in a blanket and said, a Murph dumpling. <laughs> yeah, it, he, dogs are great for it. They, they pull you out of some, some bad spots sometimes. Yeah. What I want to say goes out to everybody, but especially to somebody who may be listening to this and maybe making some realizations about themselves or about how they're doing. And I just want you to know that I am rooting for you. I feel for you. I care about you. I support you. I see you. Um, Even if we have never met, just know that there is somebody out there who wants to see you succeed and do well and be well. And that is me. And, and I truly mean it when I say I'm rooting for you. And I think I speak for all three of us when I say that too. Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're all rooting for you out there. If you need to find some help or need to find some resources, please go to those, those resources that Emily mentioned uh, the first one being the Rural Stress Task Force has a website at z.umn.edu slash rural stress. Uh, mnfarmstress.com is a great resource as well. Those are great places to start. Great places to start. The information there is geared towards farmers, but can help anybody. If you have questions for us, even on, on anything related to mental health or, or other ways that you need to find help, please catch us at the Moves Room at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at U-M-N dot E-D-U. 
And Other if you way. would like to reach out to me personally, you can email me at krek0033 at umn.edu. Personal email out there. Definitely reach out if, if you need to. We're, we're here for everybody. Uh, that's our job at Extension to be here for everybody. So don't hesitate to reach out. If you need anything else to reference uh, or need a place to start looking for some of these resources, you can go to extension.umn.edu and, and start there and find your way to some of these resources as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Be there for each other. We'll catch you next episode. You don't look amused. <laughs> You're trying not to laugh, but you're trying to be serious. But <laughs> Grab my stress ball. <laughs> it's like meditation, kind of.